to lean in and listen, to have, have open minds and open ears and open eyes and open hearts uh, to hear and see what it is you're doing within us and around us today. Teach us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to each and every one of us that we may grow closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, uh, the topic that we're going to talk about is gratitude. And uh, to get us thinking about gratitude, I want to tell you a quick story from uh, when I was a kid. We were a, a family that was fortunate enough, uh, that it is fortunate enough now rather, to have a whole library of home videos. So we had one of those VHS camcorders back in the day that weighed like the same as a Volkswagen, you know, where you put the VHS in the side and pushed it in and recorded. Um, and so because of that, we have uh, a good catalog of videos from when my sister and I were little kids. And so we would turn it on for family events, right? So we have uh, videos of us doing like Easter egg hunts and setting up the Christmas tree. And we have a lot of Christmas mornings and that kind of thing. And one of the best moments um, that we have captured was when actually when I was still a toddler. So I think I was approaching, I may have been approaching even my first birthday or my second birthday at the very latest. Uh, and my sister... Um, who usually sits right over here, uh, who mercifully today for her is teaching uh, children's church, um, was about five or six. And so it was Christmas morning. We were opening our gifts. Um, and it was uh, kind of a normal Christmas morning. I was too young to really get the whole present thing. So I'm somewhere like sitting on someone's lap, probably drooling. But my sister is really into it. You know, she's old enough that she gets Christmas morning and gets the presents and all that kind of thing. So she's tearing through stuff and opening different gifts. And she finally gets to one, tears it open, and she opens the box, and out of it, she pulls um, a baseball glove. And so she looks at it, kind of quizzically for a second, and she's, she looks at my mom, she looks at my dad, and she says, what's this? And my mom says, oh, well, Santa Claus brought you a baseball mitt so that you can play baseball. And my sister's response was this, Santa blew it, and storms <laughs> off and leaves the frame of the camera. <laughs> now, if you saw my sister in that moment, right, devoid of any context of how she was um, at other moments in her childhood, you would probably look at her and say, wow, like what an ungrateful kid, right? Your parents got you something not only nice, but something they thought you'd enjoy, try to introduce you to this new sport, and you throw it down and storm off, like ungrateful. And that's usually, right, how we think of either gratitude or ingratitude. We think of it um, as a response, as a specific gesture that someone does. And so usually when someone is being grateful, we can identify it, right? Or when someone is being ungrateful, we know what that looks like. And as you would see on that home video, you could still see my sister <laughs> being today. And so we think of it as, as an exchange. Um, someone does something nice or something generous, the other party responds, either with gratitude or with ingratitude, and we can usually tell which is which, right? So if you're giving somebody a gift, or you, you know, let somebody out in traffic, or you hold the door for somebody, you know whether or not they respond with gratitude or not. And that's pretty common. But for Christians, for followers of Jesus, gratitude actually goes deeper than just this like, cause and effect relationship. 
Um, anybody who's, who's committed to following Jesus, putting their faith in Jesus, our, our calling of gratitude is actually higher than just this response in a moment to something nice that someone does for us. It's more than just that simple exchange. And so what we're going to look at this morning um, is an event from Jesus's life that's recorded in Luke's gospel. We read it just a moment ago um, that shows us what gratitude should look like for believers and, and how uh, this story kind of reshapes our idea of what gratitude is and especially where gratitude is directed. Um, so we're going to look at that story pretty closely with one another. And so we'll be in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, if anybody wants to follow along. And I'll be showing some of the verses on the screen as well. But what Luke tells us is that Jesus uh, is traveling, and he's actually on his way to Jerusalem, but he's taking kind of a roundabout route to get there. And he's on the border of two places, um, one called Samaria and the other one called Galilee. And so if you don't know your um, ancient Near Eastern geography, here's a little bit of a map for you that shows where Jesus was. So you can see uh, Galilee and Samaria there on the map. And so Jesus is, is kind of on the border right between these two places. And so as Jesus is going about this region, um, he's about to go into a village when along the road he uh, hears the voices of 10 men calling out to him from a distance. And what they say is this. They say, Jesus, master, have pity on us. So Jesus is walking into this village just down this, you know, dusty, unpaved road, getting ready to go into town to maybe get a meal or rest for the day or meet with leaders or whatever it might be. And this kind of uh, cacophony of voices comes up. And whether or not they were in unison and they all said together, like, one, two, three, Jesus, Master, have pity. Or they kind of were shouting over one another, we're not sure. But this is what they say. They call out to Jesus. And to anybody living in Jesus' day, uh, it would have been really clear pretty immediately um, who these men were. Because they were not approaching him, right, not coming up to him and asking, like, Jesus, we need you. But instead standing off at a distance. And what that meant was that these men were lepers. Now, I want to take a minute uh, to talk about leprosy. Um, leprosy is all throughout the Bible, both in the Old and the New Testaments. It was a really common disease that a lot of people had back in Jesus' day and prior to that. But the word leprosy in Scripture is actually used to describe um, several different kinds of skin conditions. So very, everything from very mild ones that cleared up pretty quickly, all the way to like the serious leprosy that we think of when we hear the word. And what's clear in this particular passage is that these men, um, they had the serious kind of leprosy. They had the really nasty kind of leprosy. And we know that because they were standing far off and not allowed to approach people on that road. Um, we know that because they've been quarantined, which is a word that we're all familiar with, right, over the last few weeks and months in the news. These men have been quarantined because of their disease. Now, if you don't know a lot about leprosy, let me give you a little bit of a refresher uh, without being too gross and without being too graphic about what it is. But back in their day, um, if you came down with this serious form of leprosy, what it meant was that you had a bacterial infection uh, that they did not have a cure for. And this particular infection um, meant that 
you were going to be basically uh, ostracized and separated from the rest of the community because they believed that it was highly, highly contagious. And not only that, but eventually the leprosy or something related to it was probably going to kill you. That was going to be how you were going to die. And so obviously we know, right, that leprosy affects the skin, and so you get a rash or spots on your skin, and eventually those rashes and spots will turn into lesions or turn into sores, right, that other people can see without being too gross, right? Legions and sores, they ooze things and, and kind of are gross, and, you know, people would be able to see them from a long way away. And so there's really no hiding leprosy once you have it, right? But primarily what this disease does beyond what it does to your skin is it actually attacks the nerves in your body. And so because of that, one of the really common side effects of, of coming down with leprosy was blindness because it would attack, and it still does, attacks your optic nerves. And so you go blind. Another thing it does is that it actually leads to your extremities going numb and your sense of feeling going numb because it attacks the nerves in your body. And so, you know, you can't feel things, hot, cold, pain, or not you won't be able to feel something. And so there are actually stories, right, of people dropping something into like an open flame and reaching in and just grabbing it because they can't feel the burn. They can't feel the flames on their skin. Uh, one doctor who uh, just in the last 20 years or so has worked with lepers in the country of India um, tells the story of him trying to open this rusty padlock so we've all seen that, right? There's a padlock that is rusted over, and you can't turn the key, you know, because it's all rusted and bound up. And so he's there, and he's trying to turn the key, and he's just not strong enough to do it. And all of a sudden, this little 10-year-old boy who has leprosy comes up and says, here, let me try. And so the kid just yanks and snaps, and the, the, the lock breaks loose, and the key turns, and they're able to open the lock. And so to his mind, he's thinking, like, this is, this is crazy, right? Is this child a superhero? Because here I am, a grown man, unable to turn it, but this 10-year-old kid comes up and just with one twist. But what he did then was he, he took the kid's hand and he examined it, and what he saw was that in turning the lock as he did, the kid had cut through his skin, his muscle, his fat, all the way down to the bone in twisting this lock. And the reason he could do that is because he had no feeling right, in his fingers. And so there was no pain receptor saying, hey, you should stop turning because this is going to hurt you. And so these are the kinds of things, right, that, that leprosy did to people. And that's generally how leprosy patients died even back in Jesus's day. It was usually infections um, from wounds and other things related to the leprosy and not the leprosy itself because they couldn't feel pain. So this actually still exists in our world today. It's not very common, but over the last 20 years, uh, more than 16 million people have been cured of leprosy in our world. So it's still actually around. But in Jesus's day, uh, if you contracted this disease, it would pretty much end your life as you knew it. Because what would happen is they would take you and they would send you outside of town and you had to live with other lepers. Uh, you weren't able to go within six feet of any healthy person. So imagine keeping a six foot distance from everybody. Some of you I think maybe wanted to do that this morning with coronavirus, but uh, you know, you have to keep six feet between you and everybody else. You had to shout wherever you went. If you were ever in public, you had to shout at people and warn them that you were a leper as you came along. You weren't allowed to go to worship. You weren't allowed to hold a job. Um, it meant the collapse of your entire way of life. 
And so you can think about these 10 men, right, that are calling out to Jesus. And you think about the, um, the, the despair, right, and the desperation that they must have felt trying to get someone to help them. And one day along comes Jesus. And so what a lot of lepers would do is exactly what these men were doing. They would stand outside of town, uh, near the road, but not next to it, right? Kind of a a distance off because they weren't allowed to approach people. And they would shout and they would beg and hope that people would leave something behind for them to go and eat or for a little bit of money for them or whatever it might be. And so these men are standing at a distance asking for Jesus' help. And just as we would expect, right, Jesus hears their desperation. He hears their cry. He hears their pain. But as we kind of compare this to other healing stories that Jesus does in the scriptures, it's actually a pretty unique story because the the solution that Jesus gives is really simple. Usually, right, we're used to Jesus kind of like walking over to people and maybe like putting hands on them, maybe having a conversation, right? They, They talk a little bit and then afterwards Jesus would teach his disciples and say like, here's the lesson that you should learn from that. This is really simple and really short, what happens here in Luke 17. Um, Jesus doesn't go over. He doesn't approach them. He doesn't touch them. He just kind of shouts from the road, right? They shout at him, and he kind of shouts back. And what he says is uh, this. He says, go, show yourselves to the priests. So they say, Jesus, have pity on us. And Jesus is like, just go show yourselves to the priest. And that's all he has to do. Now, we might wonder why. Like, why are they supposed to go show themselves to the priest? Like, what, what does that have to do with this? And most guys in the room um, can probably think of a few reasons why you would do that, because we like to show off gross things to one another, right? So we like, hey, check out this thing that's growing on my back. Like, that's kind of a guy thing to do. Um, and so we think, you know, they'll go show themselves off to the priests. Like, check out what happens if I squeeze this, that kind of thing. Um, but, um, But ultimately what this is about is it's actually about the the Jewish law. Um, Because back in Jewish society in Jesus' day, it was actually the priests um, who were the ones who would declare whether or not someone was healed from their leprosy. Uh, In Leviticus chapter 4, we get uh, this, where where the law of Moses actually gives the priests uh, a process for which they go through to determine whether or not someone is clean from leprosy. And so Jesus is saying, go and show yourselves to the priest, because by the time you get there, by the time you arrive to your local priest and are able to interact with them, you're going to be well. You're going to be healed. Your leprosy is going to be gone. So Jesus says, you might as well start walking now. And we don't know if, if it took a couple hours or it took a couple of days, but what we know is that by the time these men reached the priests for them to be able to check them out, that they were, in fact, clean of their leprosy. So Jesus uh, does kind of a long-distance healing here, which is pretty cool. Um, He doesn't have to approach, doesn't have to talk, doesn't have to touch. He just says, hey, go, and you're going to be made well. Now, the story uh, could have just ended there pretty easily, right? And we get a nice, neat story of Jesus healing somebody, which which is great. Tell the story in Sunday school, that kind of thing. But there's a second part to the story, and the second part to the story is where we get this application of what gratitude is, and this look into what gratitude actually looks like. So it says, one of them, so one of these ten men that was healed, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet 
and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. So one, only one of the ten men who were just healed comes back to Jesus. And so Jesus kind of incredulously asks this. He says, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And so these ten men who are standing outside of the gate, Jesus heals every single one of them. Right? He gave them their lives back. They could go back to their families, they could go back to their work, they could go back to their communities, back to the temple, back to their friends, back to everything they cared about in life. Jesus restores all of that, and he gives it to them free of cost, just as a gift of his grace. And only one comes back to express any kind of gratitude towards Jesus for doing that. And what the Samaritan man does is, is kind of our example, right, for what we are supposed to do. Because he recognizes not only right, the gift that was given to him, not only what it was that he received, which was healing, but he actually recognizes uh, the who that's behind the what, right? So the what is the healing, but what he does and what he sees more deeply than anybody else and any of the other nine men in the story is that he knows the who that was behind the what. And that's why gratitude for us as followers of Jesus should look different from the kind of gratitude that the rest of the world gives. Because the rest of the world is used to that just transactional gratitude, right? Where you do something nice for me, I show gratitude, and that is kind of the cycle. But here what we see is that gratitude, right, is actually not expressed to the individual act, but to the person and the character of the person that is behind that particular act. You know, Scripture tells us um, in a lot of different places, but in one particular place, James, who's the brother of Jesus, says it this way. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. And so what James teaches us there is that everything that we experience that is good, Right, so the very mundane things that you and I take for granted every single day, like breathing, that's a good one, <laughs> the, the taste of food, the feeling of rest, right? all these basic things that you and I do every single day. From the mundane to the miraculous, like having a healing like this, or having a prayer answered, or having a hopeless situation turn around into something that's hopeful. What we recognize as believers, what we recognize as followers of Jesus is that it all comes from a good giver who likes to give good things to his people. And that's what the Samaritan recognized here, that the other nine men did not, right? That there was a who, there was a good giver behind the good gift of the what. Now I'm going to introduce you to a term, for a lot of you may not have heard this, this term before, uh, a term called common grace. How many of you have ever heard of common grace before or know what that means? So this is a theological term um, that's been used throughout the history of Christianity, and what it's been used to describe um, are the good gifts that God gives to everyone, okay? So I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there are some things that you and I as human beings, that every single human being on earth, whether they believe in God or follow Jesus or are saved or not, they're good things that we all experience, right? Like food and rest and sunsets and family and love, right? 
all of those things that every single human being enjoys is an expression of God's grace. It's all a gift. We call that common grace because it's common to everyone. Um, Psalm 145 says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And so that's common grace, the grace that you and I and everyone experiences. And in the story, what I would say is that all of those men experienced God's common grace. They all received a good gift from God through Jesus so that they, they could experience and enjoy their lives in a new and fuller kind of way. But what this one man who returns recognizes is that there's still something missing. That there's a loop that needed to be closed by giving credit and by giving gratitude back to the one who had given it. Right? So again, this idea of finding the who behind the what. And I would bet that each and every one of those men that was healed had gratitude in their hearts. They were probably grateful and thankful that they were healed. But only one of them came back around and expressed that gratitude back to the person who did it. And I think that the same is true for most people in our world and maybe true for you and me at certain points. Where we experience these good gifts of God, we experience this common grace, just the good things in life. And we're all grateful in some form or another, but we don't know where to point that gratitude. Right? And so some people come back and they attribute it to luck. Or they attribute it to the universe. They attribute it to their horoscope for that week. They attribute it to maybe sometimes even themselves and say, well, I did this. I accomplished this. I made this. They're all grateful in some way or another, but they don't bring it back to the one who gives the good gift, who is God, our creator. But what the Samaritan shows us here is that the right direction for all of our gratitude to be expressed is towards God through Jesus. And that's what gratitude should look like for each and every one of us, that we should be grateful towards God each and every day. And what's interesting is that when he does express that gratitude, when he comes back to Jesus and he says, uh, and he says, Jesus, thank you, Jesus says to him, he says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And when Jesus says uh, that your faith has made you well, the text here uses a really specific word. Uh, the Greek word doesn't mean that he was made clean here when he says he's been made well. That was used earlier. He doesn't see, say that he's been healed. That was earlier too. But the Greek word that's used here is the word sozo. And sozo means saved. And so what Jesus essentially says is that the faith that you've shown in coming back here and expressing to me this gratitude has saved you. Recognizing the source of the good gift that you received and expressing that gratitude has saved you. And so our commitment should, as Jesus followers should always be the same, that we should always be the ones that are stopping to pause and to recognize not only the what that we're thankful for, not only the what that we have gratitude for, but the who, the one who gave it to us. And so you and I should not wake up waiting for something good to happen so that we can be grateful. Right? We need to wake up with the lens and with the worldview and with the belief that as we wake up, everything that has already been given is just pure gift. And so we should wake up feeling grateful. Thankful to God for every breath, 
every good feeling, every good thought, every loving embrace, every moment of joy, and most of all, for every ounce of grace that God shows us through Jesus. Now, as we go through, uh, as we've been going through this campaign over the last few weeks, um, we're, we've got the opportunity to practice a few diff- different disciplines, and one of those diff- disciplines is gratitude. Um, and you'll see as you work through the book this week, if you're working through it, that this week is all about practicing this very thing, gratitude and expressing gratitude back towards God. But what we want to do here for about five minutes in worship is actually give you an opportunity to express that and an opportunity to practice that. So what we're going to do is uh, each of you and ushers, you can uh, start coming forward. As a way to close out our time, everybody's going to get a gratitude card. And on the back, there are two questions. What are you most thankful for in your life, and how have you been most deeply blessed here at Spry Church? And we're going to take about five minutes, and I would invite each of you to think about those questions and write some responses. And remember that the, the, the direction of your gratitude, right, is towards God. The direction of your gratitude is towards the giver of the good gift, whatever it is you are most thankful for, whatever kind of blessing you've experienced. And so we're going to take a few minutes to fill these out. And when you're finished, I just invite you to get up. I'm not going to give you the go-ahead, so just whenever you're done, just get up and walk forward and place your card here on the altar as an offering to God of your gratitude. Now, as you do, there's going to be a video that's playing uh, that will actually give you a little bit of insight into some of the things that our students and our kids here at Spry Church, what are the things that they're grateful for. So you'll get some examples from them. But over the next few minutes, as the ushers come around, I invite you to just fill out this card and tell us what it is you're grateful to God for today. You guys can come forward. You guys can start the video. You go back one, I think. I started to come to this youth group four years ago when we were still at church, and so far I've grown very far in my relationship with God. Um, not only did the youth group just bring me closer to God, but also bring um, relationships with the people there and bring the full sense of church and community, and just shows that not everything has to be traditional style. I like Spry Church because I have so many friends and I like Kids Club and Miss Lori and I love piano and I love um, music and I'm learning it here and I love all the verses that we learn. Ever since I started coming to this youth group, I have grown closer to God I've started praying more, really started affecting more than just my Sundays with how I live with God. I like Spry Church because of the people. They feel like my family. I like Spry Church because I have friends there. I come to youth group most like because um, I love hearing the lessons all the time. Like, and um, everybody who is always talking, they interact with you or they just like, the lessons, they really get to me all the time. 
like, um, they really hit home. And being at youth group has really helped me with my faith. The person who's guiding us to be closer to God gets to read all of our Bible verses that we're reading. The support that everybody from youth group, like all the teachers that are there, like pastors and things, that they are there for you always. And I love it. <laughs> I've also found a place where I can just be myself and be comfortable and invite friends and just have a good time with them while learning about God. For me, I've always been uh, a part of a church. I've always been an active member. Uh, and for me, uh, church has always been something that I've enjoyed. But when we moved uh, to York and we got plugged in at the church that we're going to, uh, there, there wasn't anyone really my age to connect with. I was one of the few people in the under 50 crowd. Uh, so when I discovered Spry, not only was it encouraging that I could connect with my peers as we grew in our faith and our understanding, but that I could be mentored as a, a growing adult, that this youth group allowed me to come into my own, that my faith could be my own. I love all the things that we get to do. I love the pastor, Pastor Ken, and I love the Bible and Jesus and everything in God's Word.
So the question before us then this morning is, will you be one of the nine or will you be the one? Uh, will you be one of the nine that recognizes the gift and is grat grateful for a moment but then forgets where it came from? Or will you be the one who remembers not only the gift but also the giver and comes back to give gratitude towards God who is the one who gives us all good gifts? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this beautiful example of the Samaritan man uh, who has shown us what it means to be grateful. Grateful for each and every blessing that you give, grateful for each and every good thing that you've created, each and every thing that we enjoy. We know, Lord, that this life is not always easy, um, that it's not always fun, um, that there are challenges and difficulties and times where it doesn't feel like things are so good. But we also know that there are seasons and times in our lives that we can remember and seasons and times in our lives ahead of us where we can experience the goodness of the world that you have made. And so, Lord, when we experience those things, when we are blessed, strengthen our hearts. Remind us where those gifts come from, that we may come back to you in praise and in worship and gratitude to give you the glory that you deserve for all that you give us. And most of all, God, we give you thanks for the grace that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, who, when we were wounded, when we were sick, came to us and healed us, gave us access to you through his suffering and death and his atonement on the cross for each and every one of us. And so, God, we give you thanks. We give you those thanks and that gratitude in his name as we pray, as he taught us to pray this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. 